Welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Hey, God is phenomenal. God does phenomenal things. And there's this pattern at work throughout the Bible, throughout the lives of many people since we've been created that God uses to accomplish phenomenal things. And the pattern is simply this. As the Lord directs you, and as you respond to him in obedience, he does phenomenal things. So you see the result, the very end is he does phenomenal things, but it begins with as the Lord directs you. So we're going to understand we need to listen so he knows how he's directing us. And then as he directs you, you, you respond in obedience. So we're just going to do a little bit. That's not just a late, a latest fad. It's not just a philosophy. It's not just like, oh, here's the latest, coolest thing. This is something that worked throughout the scripture. And just a little review. We're going to go back and talk about what we did last week, how we've seen this pattern at work. And we saw how the Lord directed the disciples. Uh, it says that once when he, Jesus, was eating with him, he commanded him, them, that's the direction part. He commanded his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. And very often, we didn't mention this last week, but very often God will give you a promise or a reason or an outcome of that direction. And he does that with the disciples. This promise or outcome is this. If you do what I say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, even to Niagara Falls. And the disciples, this is the next part, they obey. This is the pattern. So that God directs, they obey. It says this in Acts, uh, at verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. They simply did what Jesus asked them to do. And then the phenomenal results was this. The Holy Spirit did come did fall upon the disciples. The Holy Spirit empowered them to fulfill that directive, to go and be my witnesses, to tell people about him. So Peter, he gets up, he begins preaching this message, talking about Jesus, about him being crucified, how he died for our sin, if you receive that, how he rose again from the grave. And the phenomenal result, as we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who believe what Peter said, we talked about Jesus, were baptized, by the way, we're doing that today, and added to the church that day about 3,000 people in all. God directs, often gives you a promise, you obey, phenomenal things happen. Last week we looked at Philip, same pattern at work in his life. The Lord directs Philip. We read in Acts chapter 8 last week. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, Philip was originally from Jerusalem, but Christians are being persecuted, so they they flee the city of Jerusalem to other places to live, and one of those was Philip, and and he was able to go to Samaria and preach, and people were coming to the Lord, people were being saved and delivered, and it was amazing what was happening in Samaria. And like the church was growing. It was just incredible. And it says in Acts chapter, uh, verse chapter one, verse eight, there was great joy in the city. There was great, that's the, that's the outcome. And uh, I thought, wouldn't it be great 
If we today, the Holy Spirit came and fell upon us in such a way that he was able to work through us, that as a result, we would see so many people in the city of Niagara Falls have great joy because Jesus came and we were obedient and directed that. Wouldn't it be great? So Philip, he must have found, felt he found a sweet spot. He was ready to settle down in Samaria. Like things are happening here. People are being delivered. People are, there's miracles happening. People are being healed. People are being saved. And just when things are going really, really well, God calls him to go down to the desert. Right down to the desert. And you think, well, why, like why would you do that? Having such great success here. But God said, no, I want you to go there. So what does Philip do? And the pattern, Philip obeys. This is what we read. So he started out. He didn't hesitate like I would have. He didn't debate or try to reason with God or dispute the call. He just went. And then the phenomenal results we we saw last week was there on a desert road, Philip met this treasure of the queen in Ethiopia. He was a eunuch. And he's a very important man. He's in a large carriage. He came down to Jerusalem to worship God. And while he's there, he bought a scroll of uh, Isaiah. It had to be handwritten out because they didn't have Amazon Prime or tape recorders or printing press. And he's, and he's reading about this, this scroll. And, and God says to Philip, go up and ask this man. Go up to this carriage and, and talk to him, engage him. And so Philip says, he goes and he hears him reading from Isaiah, which was the custom. They read out loud. And Philip says, do you know what you're reading? And the, and the eunuch says, I don't know unless someone comes and instructs me. I don't know what it's saying. So Philip, he invited him, Philip up in the carriage. And there Philip explained, what you're reading about in Isaiah chapter 3 is pointing to Jesus. This, is, this was written 700 years ago, but it's, it's prophesizing, talking about Jesus. And he told him about Jesus, the same way Peter told the people in Acts chapter 2. Uh, two and one, and the eunuch accepted the Lord, and he wanted to be baptized. We read this in Acts chapter 8. He ordered the carriage to stop, the eunuch did, and then they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So once again, the outcome of being obedient is joy. Right? Philip goes to Samaria. There's joy. Philip goes to the eunuch and, and does what God says. There's joy. This rejoicing eunuch that we read about who's baptized. And then there's so many, so many stories in the Bible that follow this pattern of, you know, God directs. We respond in obedience. He does phenomenal things. In fact, I had more and I took some out. But the God kind of, you know how God nudges you and coincidences happen, and I had about Abraham, and he said, I want you to put that back in. And I don't know why, but maybe it's for you. So I'm going to put Abraham back in here. Because the Lord directed Abraham. Back in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, leave your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. So God says to Abraham, Abraham, just start walking. I'm not telling you what, des- what the destination is yet. You just got to trust me and start walking. But God does what Abraham says, and he will often give us this promise, this, this outcome, this foretelling of why I want you to do this, as we talked about. And the promise for Abraham was this. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. 
All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So God says, Abraham, by the way, you're going to be a father of a great nation. There's going to be more. Your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky, he tells them. Only problem is Abraham has no kids, no son. He's 100 years old. His wife Sarah is 90 years old. What are the chances? What are the chances? But what does Abraham do, even though it seems unreasonable? Abraham obeys. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. I'm going to start walking. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to trust you. And the phenomenal result was this. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. God directs. You obey. Phenomenal things happen. And with Abraham, we also learned that sometimes that God will test you in these times when he directs you. I will trust you, test your faith. Because it's easy to say verbally, yes, Lord, I will do what you say. I will go where you go and do what you have me to do. But then circumstances happen. I really don't like those circumstances. And I start doubting God and doubting his direction. Or something will become an idol in my life, uh, replacing my love for God. And, uh, and so it kind of it threatens my relationship with him. And they become more devoted to that than you are to God. So as, And listen to this. As contradicting as it may sound, think about this. Your biggest blessing can become your worst enemy. Why? Because the blessing can threaten your relationship with God. Because the blessing becomes an idol in your life. Like there's something that you're praying for. God, I just, Lord, please, this miracle, this answer, I need this. And perhaps the miracle you're asking for, you say, God, if you would grant me this, I will, I will, uh, my faith will grow. I, I will follow you. I'll become stronger in my commitment with you. And, and I will be, and I will, you know, I will obey you and all that you do. And, and God blesses you and, 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 and he answers your prayer. And you're full of joy. Life is good. God has given you the blessing. But what if God was to take it away from you? What if he asked you to give up that blessing? Would you? Would you or would you want to hold on to it? Say, no, this is mine. So I want to ask you a very searching question. Would you rather have the blessing? more than the one who gives you the blessing? Would you rather have the blessing than the one who gives the blessing? And you might say, yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. But what if your words were put to test? Would you struggle to let go of that blessing? I think of Job. Like Job, you know the story. He was, everything, everything was taken from him. He lost everything. And he's had this testimony, which amazes me. Job said, the Lord gave what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Like, the Lord gave me this. He took it away, and yet I still praise him. That's faith. His wife did not have that kind of faith. Remember what she said? Job, just curse God and die. Just curse him and die. So God, he blesses Abraham with this son. It's a miracle. It's phenomenal. 
but God tests Abraham. Isaac was, his son was a true blessing, but then one day God asked Abraham to give up his son, to give up this blessing, his only son. It makes no sense. God, if you said, I'm the father of a great nation of many people, this is my only chance. This is the only hope, the only opportunity. Why would you ask me to give this up and sacrifice him? But you know what? Abraham did exactly what God commanded him to. We read this in Genesis chapter 22, 9 to 12. When they arrived, Abraham arrived to the place where God had told him to go. Abraham built an altar and arranged wood on it. And he tied his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. He's ready to sacrifice his son. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you, are truly, that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. See, we don't always understand God's direction. Sometimes it will not make sense to you. The Bible says his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I don't understand everything God asked me to do, but I, I can trust him and put my faith in him. Like, why should, I, why should Philip leave the successful ministry in Samaria to go to the desert? What's in the desert? Because a eunuch was there reading the Bible, and he was going to be saved, and, and he was going to be baptized, and he would actually go and establish the, earth, the, the church in Ethiopia. According to early history, the church there was established by the rejoicing Ethiopian eunuch. Why would God lead a people out of captivity in Egypt? So I'm going to give you a promised land, and the first thing you do is come up against this Red Sea. And it's blocking them, and they look behind, there's an enemy coming to get them. Like, why would God do that? So he could demonstrate his power by delivering his people by causing that Red Sea to part for them to cross safely while the enemy fell under the, the, the water coming back in on them. Why would God ask Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son? This is the, the way I'm going to fill my, the promise you, you gave me. Why would you want me to do that? To test them. Has the blessing, he wanted to know, has this blessing in Abraham's life become an idol? Is it more important than God? Has the blessing replaced God? Abraham trusted him. Abraham didn't know why. Why would you ask this God? But even though you're asking me to sacrifice him, I, I have my faith in you. I put my faith in you. And, and we reached the mountain. Uh, we know that Abraham believed Isaac would live. He really did. We know that, even, even though God said sacrifice him. Because it says, Abraham told his servant, we didn't read this part. But as they're going up the mountain, he said, stay here with the donkey, he told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We'll worship there, and then we will come back. Not I. Secondly, you consider the question, Isaac, uh, Isaac's question to go up the mountain to offer sacrifice. You always have this lamb uh, back in those days, a sacrifice. And Isaac's saying, like, where's the lamb to be sacrificed? Like, we're supposed to sacrifice something. Where, where, what are we sacrificing? Abraham said this, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And he did. Or thirdly, Abraham even reasoned, we know this, that God was able to bring Isaac back to life if indeed his life was lost. Hebrews tells us this. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died that day, God was able to bring him back to life again. And today we're going to move on to Acts chapter 9. And we're going to look briefly at the story of Saul. 
kind of play kind of plays the backstory to the man I want to focus on today. His name is Ananias. So just understand a little bit about Saul. Just watch this couple minute video, kind of give you the backstory of where we're going today. He named Saul became very active in persecuting Christians. He went to the believers' homes and had them arrested, imprisoned, beaten, or even killed. Saul terrorized the church. When Christians moved away to other places, Saul was determined to find them and bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. Saul went to the high priest and asked for letters to show the Jews in the synagogues in Damascus. If he found any Christians there, he would have permission to bring them back. As Saul and his guards traveled the road to Damascus, a bright light suddenly shone on him. It was so bright that Saul could not see and fell down on the ground with his eyes closed. Then he heard a voice call his name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? Saul called out. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. It is hard for you to fight against me, isn't it, Saul? The Lord said. Saul was afraid. What do you want me to do? He asked. Get up and go into the city. Someone will tell you what to do, said Jesus. The men traveling with Saul were shocked. They could hear the voice, but they could not see anyone. When Saul stood up and opened his eyes, he was blind. His men had to lead him by the hand to Damascus. Saul could not see for three days. During that time, he did not eat or drink anything. Meanwhile, the Lord spoke to a faithful disciple in the city. Ananias called Jesus. I am here, Lord, said Ananias. Go to a street called Straight, Jesus instructed. At the house of a man named Judas, ask for Saul of Tarsus. He is praying. He has seen a vision of you putting your hand on him and restoring his sight. Ananias was afraid. He had heard about Saul. Saul has done evil to the believers in Jerusalem, Lord. He has letters from the high priest to arrest the Christians here and take them back. Go to Saul. I have chosen him to be my witness to the Gentiles, kings, and Jews. He will suffer many things for testifying in my name, Jesus said. Ananias obeyed. He found Saul and put his hands on him. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to see again. He was then baptized to show that he had trusted in Jesus as his Savior. Saul spent many days talking with the disciples at Damascus and learning about Jesus from them. In the synagogues, Saul boldly preached to the Jews that Jesus is the Son of God. Everyone was amazed at the change in Saul. They had trouble believing that this same man who was killing Christians in Jerusalem was now preaching about Christ in Damascus. So Saul was his Jewish name. After he became a Christian, after he met Jesus, he went by the name of Paul, his Roman name. And we know about Paul was the greatest theologian, missionary, church planner, writer of the New Testament. God used him in incredible ways. But for now, Saul is waiting in Damascus. He's blind. He's fasting. He's praying. And we're introduced to this man by the name of Ananias. And this will be the portion we're going to read from Scripture today. So if you want to take a moment and turn to Acts chapter 9, I'll give you a moment to find that. Nothing worse when someone says, turn to this chapter, and we start reading right away. You're still looking for it, and I'm done, and I found it. So Acts chapter 9. 
starting at uh, verse 10. <clears throat> Some of this just covers what we just saw in that video, but let's read it again. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus called or named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. That's important. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying hands upon him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales from, fell from Saul's eyes and regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Our introduction to Ananias, we discover the same pattern at work. I'm just, just sharing the, this pattern at work in different people's lives. And last week in Acts chapter 8, today in Acts chapter 9, um, the Lord directs you, and as you respond to him in obedience, he does phenomenal things. So Ananias begins with the Lord's directive. He hears it because, and this is what you got to understand, he listens to the Lord. That's important. He listened to the Lord. When God called Ananias, we heard it. He responded to God. He didn't have to respond to God. He could have ignored God's voice, but he didn't. God calls, God directs, and, and what the first step is the first step in this pattern of phenomenal things. When he directs you, you've got to be listening to hear him. One of the reasons we don't stop and why we don't spend time to hear from God, we feel like we are too... You guys know this. We're too busy. You know, it's common when we ask somebody, how are you doing? You say, oh, I'm really busy. Well, fine, good for you. <laughs> I don't really lie, yeah, but sometimes it's like I'm busy. And you know, that really is the right answer because when you think about it, we're busy doing something. I had this epiphany like a few years ago that we're always busy. We're busy working or we're busy resting. We are busy with chores or we're busy playing. We're busy sleeping sometimes. Sometimes we're busy cleaning. Sometimes we're busy watching television. Sometimes we're busy creating or renovating or tearing down. We're busy preparing. We're busy participating. We're busy with family. We're busy with friends. We're busy, busy with coworkers. This week, this past week has been a busy week for you. But let me ask you this. Were you busy listening to God this week? I'm going to pause for a moment. 
Because I know what you're saying inside. Mark, just move on to the next question. Move on to the next point. I don't want to face this. I don't want to answer this. I kind of want to go on to something else. But I'm going to ask you, were you busy and all the things you could do and all the busyness? Were you busy listening to God? Because if God's going to direct us so we can obey him and see phenomenal things, we've got to be listening. There are many things, a lot of things, which cause you to be busy. But I wonder if listening to God was one of them this week. You know, we can fool ourselves thinking, well, we're busy serving, I'm, I'm working for the Lord, uh, I'm doing His will. But if you stop to listen and say, God, is this what you would have me to do? I, I found that there are many good things, wonderful things, church things, that I say no to because God's not calling me to do that right now. He's got me over here, being busy here. I want to be busy at so many things. I want to do so many great things. But God says, no, I'm calling you here. Focus here. Be busy here. Listen to what I'm telling you to do, not what others are telling you to do. I know he wants to speak to you. I know he does, because God's word tells us in Psalms this. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway. See, there are many pathways, right? There's many things you can take to be busy, many ways you can live your life, many philosophies you might want to latch on to. But God says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you, so you need to be listening, and watch over you. I think all of us would want to have God's wisdom and foresight serving as this guiding beacon life to let us know what is the best path for us to take and follow. How do we do this? Well, I think the same way that you would, you would listen to a friend. You say, look, I, let's get together. Let's you set up a point. Let's meet together. Let's set a time aside and let's just talk and listen to each other. We get to know each other. And, and you know what? Same thing with God. God, I just want to set this time aside with you, and, and I want to spend time listening to you and reading your word and hearing from you, and, and what would you have to say to me? I'll tell you this, God will always honor that. He'll always show up if you set the time aside and say, okay, just, just you know, okay, God, I just, want to, I just want to hear from you, and maybe you want to read from a psalm, or maybe you want to read from First John, and, and just say, uh, you know, like, um, <laughs> I just opened up to this, my people have planted wheat, but are harvesting thorns. Wow. That makes me think, God, is that, is that what I'm doing in my life? Am I... Am I, is this, what did you want me to know about that? My people have planted wheat, but they're harvesting thorns. Is that, you know, I, they have worn themselves out, but it has done them no good. They will harvest a crop of shame because of the fierce anger of the Lord. I just opened that up. God is so faithful. That word will mean something to me or to you if you spend time thinking about that. He'll always, always show up if you set the time. Uh, women in our church this week, I was, so, I was so blessed and happy as a pastor, even just as someone who attends our church meeting uh, many nights this week, just to do that, just to hear from God for our church. So Ananias is listening. That's how he started. Secondly, Ananias is available to the Lord. Not only does he hear God, but more than that, he's available to him. He hears God calling. He responds, yes, Lord. What would you have me to do? Here I am. 
You got my attention. What's the direction you have for me next? And I can tell you, I've been very, very encouraged and proud of so many of you because these days you have made yourself available to serve and in the new opportunities that God's given us as a church in these recent weeks and months. And we know God tells us to love our neighbor, and, and he also instructs us that this in Leviticus, you should act towards the stranger who lives among you as you would toward one born among you. Love him as you love yourself. And I've watched you loving strangers. And I observed how many of you are serving in loving and selfless ways. And, and you're, you're already, you're busy, right? You're busy doing these other things, but you're saying, no, I will also be busy because God's directed me to serve in this way. I will be busy doing what God asked me to do. But there's so much other things I could do. You are available. You're available to give rides. In fact, I know that, that recently our church, we had to be available to give rides to people who don't have transportation. So if you would talk to Francis, is Francis here, by the way? Stand up, Francis. You need to talk to this lady after. She will help you. If you can give rides to people, it's such a wonderful way to get to know people back to one of the, uh, just down Stanley Street or Lundy Street Avenue. And if you can be out front, after the service, if you, can, if you would go out front, just talk to people. That will free Francis up to kind of get taxis arranged and things going. You can do that. I love giving rides to people. I got to learn stories about people in their countries, just giving a ride back after service. You can do that. Some of you have been available to teach conversational English, which has been so much fun. We, on Thursday nights, we meet and, and we practice. People are so interested. I want to learn English, and so it's great. And a lot of you showed up. So many of you showed up. Some of you have been able, available to make coffee or a casserole. Yesterday, Pete made a wonderful Turkish dinner here. I always thought, you know, I always thought Manu married Peter for his good looks. It's for his cooking. He says it was really good. And he spent all day, like all day, and at a great cost to do that. That is amazing to me. Some of you are able to give financially. Some of you will meet and pray as our ladies did. Some of you will put a baptistry together. Thanks, George, because I can't do that. And the water is warm. I tested it, so I'm glad for that. Some of you will have to take it down. Some of you will have to, Pastor Dave says, can you stay and help arrange chairs so we can have our prayer summit tonight? Some of you will be able to greet. We're all busy, but when we listen, God would say, could you serve here for now? In this place. See, Philip was busy in Samaria thinking, I'm doing a good thing here. This is good. But God said, yeah, that's great. But now I'm calling you down to the desert. Keep listening. So Ananias listened to God. He heard him and he called. Ananias is available to God. And finally, he is obedient to the Lord. I've shared with some of you personally. I think I shared it in the uh, midweek email, maybe at least once. And maybe I don't think I have publicly. But I've adopted a new definition for success in my life. It's simply this, say yes to Jesus. Because if you're listening, he's going to direct you. And if you say yes, you're being obedient. And wow, watch what happens. Phenomenal things will happen. Success is saying yes to Jesus. You'll never go wrong because he won't direct you wrong. He wants to put you on the best path. He wants not to overwhelm you. So make sure you're not doing a lot of things, but doing what he would ask you to do. 
My son-in-law, Russell, has been sharing this message over uh, for weeks and months now, really about in his weekly newsletter about, and I've adopted this, success of saying yes to Jesus. Even last Sunday he preached it, and he mentioned in his newsletter, success saying yes to Jesus is really about obedience. That is what we mean. We say, yes, Lord, I'll be obedient. I've been sharing this definition with pastors I coach. So I tell them, it doesn't matter how big or small your church is. Don't, don't just discourage if your church is small because if you're saying yes to Jesus, what you're doing, you'll have success. I mean, it's not, it's not just, I mean, as good as it is to have a tools like buildings and programs and all of these can serve, but make sure that you're saying yes to him wherever you are because I'd rather be in a small church saying yes to Jesus than a church with many people or not. Like in Revelation, Jesus is knocking on the door. Let me in. They're inside planning all these things, but Jesus said, I'm outside knocking, and you won't let me in. Success is saying yes to Jesus. What is he saying to you? What can you say yes to? If you're listening, he will direct you. You have a chance to be obedient, and phenomenal things will happen. So Ananias is listening. Makes himself available. Yes, Lord, here I am. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to follow. I'm ready to obey. This is the pattern. All throughout scripture, as the Lord directs you, and as you respond to him in obedience, he does phenomenal things. I don't know if there's anybody listening to cafe, but you are. This would be a good chance to come down now if you want to see the baptisms. We're going to be doing some baptisms here now. If you can make your way down. But I just want to finish, finish very, very, very briefly. I want you to look at Acts chapter 9, 29. Turn to Acts, look at Acts chapter 29. But this pattern at work. You find it? There is no Acts chapter twenty nine. No one wanted to be brave enough saying, Hey, Mark, you lost it. Only goes up to chapter 28, but can I show you Acts 29? Look around. Look around the room. Acts 29 is here all around us, for the work continues. Jesus gave the directive in Acts chapter 1, be my witnesses, tell people about me. And here you I are, are over 2,000 years later, because people were obedient. They heard God, they're obedient, we are the phenomenal things. We want to continue that. We don't want it to end here in our generation, in our church. We want to keep listening to God, being obedient to him, so others can say that we can say we see the phenomenal things. We want to move forward. We want to move forward. As a church, the great purpose, we have one to live for. We have a great passion, the Holy Spirit, who empowers us, as we talked about today, and this is Pentecost Sunday. The great principles, they're all in here. The Word of God. With great people, that's you, and a great power to live on, power of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we want to pray because we want to make sure, give you a moment just to speak to our hearts. This principle has been, is not just some new fad. It's something that's at work all throughout Scripture. You speak to us, and if we're listening, you'll give us direction. You'll give us the best pathway to follow. 
And God, we're just, we need to say yes and be obedient to you. And there'll be times when you'll share us why and you give us a promise. There's times you're going to test us in this, make sure that the blessing doesn't become an idol in our life. But God, as we're obedient, as we're trusting you and not in things, and you are always going to see you do phenomenal things in our midst. Today, we're going to see some phenomenal things. We're going to see people being baptized who want to publicly declare their faith in you before the people and testify that you save. None of us deserve that. I'm not good enough. But God, you forgave me. You forgive us. And you live in us. And Father, that is what's going to matter. And we want to obey you. We want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.